When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome once again to the Explaining History podcast. And today I'm going to be reviewing Reagan, American icon by Ewan Morgan, um, who is published through my good buddies IB Taurus. I've been in the opinion for quite some time that Reagan is actually one of the more underexplored and underdiscussed US presidents which is amazing considering his monumental stature for uh, good or ill uh, and his significance as a a figure of the uh, right uh, in the 1980s. Well, really actually a figure of the right from the 1960s onwards uh, during a period where a a growing kind of counter-revolution against the New Deal was in the offing. Reagan um, occupies the the right of the Republican Party, as um, Ewan Morgan puts it, because of his unrivaled capacity to deliver a popular conservative message. And this is what brings him to uh, national attention. Um, This conservative message, um, and it's not... The conservatism we need to kind of go into here for a moment... Uh, and there are a number of strands of conservatism. Um, it's important to to look at what this word really means. The conservatism of conserving institutions, conserving ways of life that are considered traditional and, for want of a better word, right and proper. This is at the heart of um, this kind of um, uh, American conservatism. The, the 1960s, the development of a counterculture, which really was uh, a peripheral part of the American experience, even though that it was all over the, the television, um, the growth in a civil rights movement, leaving um, lower middle class and working class white people feeling uh, embattled and threatened about their status and position, the development of a, a women's movement, and the growth in what is seen in the 60s as lawlessness and criminality, and the crisis that's that Vietnam plunged America into, this kind of conservatism, conserving the family, conserving uh, the flag, conserving um, the issue, the image of America that had emerged uh, during the Second World War and during the uh, rather more conformist 1950s, 
these this is central to the kind of the emotional appeal of conservatism and it's an embattled um uh, and, and, and embattled siege like uh, mentality where these forces which are largely invisible economic and social and ideological and political forces uh, seem to be eroding the status of um white middle america um from time immemorial the the demon that the new right from the mid 1960s onwards present um is the state itself uh, Lyndon B. Johnson's Great Society saw one of the most dramatic increases in state spending and state intervention and welfare that America had ever in, ever encountered. Um, myths of rugged individualism, of the frontier, of um, the individual being um, free from the shackles of the state, be it via taxation, all the kind of inhibiting, supposedly inhibiting intervention of welfare. These are all new right ideals. They were articulated by Ayn Rand and other um, new right intellectuals and they are really peripheral concepts in the 1960s and it takes really the economic crises of the 1970s for them to become far closer to some some kind of uh, centre stage. The um, There had always been uh, in America, uh, a tradition of scepticism of federal government, of centralization, uh, and a belief in the rights not just of uh, of states but of individuals to forge their own destinies. There is a reason why uh, politicians from Barry Goldwater to Ronald Reagan, all the way to George W. Bush, on the right are pictured in Stetsons um, because it conjures up, helps to conjure up this romantic idea of the of the West, um, of the um, the cowboy who is free from uh, the fetters of contemporary uh, morality and who is uh, o- beholden only to his own laws and choices. Uh, obviously, this is a fantasy. It never really existed. It uh, was um, a hard, dirty, difficult existence, cattle-droving cows along the Chisholm Trail ready to be put onto the new uh, railroads to places like Chicago for slaughter. Um, but it, it it doesn't really... The realities of these things don't matter so much as the power of the enduring myth and fantasy. And every country really has a version of this sort of thing um, where um, fantasies of the past help to shape perceptions of the present uh, and visions of the future. And in the 1960s, Ronald Reagan began to present the uh, the view of a low-tax future. Um, he began to suggest that the way in which America could um, thrive again was to uh, unleash the energies of individuals to stop cosseting them with um, welfare payments to um, force them really to seize the initiative and, and and get up and go. There is a lot of Ayn Randian discourse in here, um, some of the more kind of extreme, dare I say slightly unpleasant aspects of Ayn Rand, which I would say really is most of them. Um, suggest there's a kind of an element of Darwinism um, and survival of the fittest. And I don't really think Reagan ever articulated that view. 
Um, I don't think that um, he believed that the poor should be left to to um, their own fate if they weren't tough enough to make it in a market economy. Though, really, that is in large parts of um, American uh, slums during the 1980s, specifically what actually happens. Reagan had, in the uh, 1950s and 1960s, been something of a corporate frontman. Um, Reagan appeared in uh, corporate advertising, and in the later 50s, he embraces TV. Um, Reagan had thought that people would watch TV and they wouldn't pay to see him in films, and then he suddenly realises that advertising is much better money. Um, and the, um, the, the, whilst he was something of a, a B-movie actor uh, in the 50s and his career was washed out, he realised that television could save him. He said of television... Is uh, television is now being produced in a, much the same manner that the film industry turns out their product. For a time, TV was handled by strictly by radio people. In short, you're getting nothing but radio with a picture. And so TV kind of changed to suit Reagan. It became more of a, um, a more of a medium that film actors could step into. So he did very nicely out of it. Um, and he worked, as I said, he was a frontman for the new show General Electric Theatre, after the General Electric Company. Um, and he was paid an annual salary of $125,000, uh, which went up to $150,000. Um, and he appeared in uh, this weekly drama show um, and became, as a result, one of the most recognised public faces in America. And it mustn't be kind of understated, the the value of this to Reagan. The ability to work on camera, to be able to um, relate to ordinary Americans through the medium of television later on in his presidency um, was vital in securing him a second term. What Reagan understood, um, what George W. Bush understood, and even what Bill Clinton understood was that to be able to speak to American people not as an elite but as a a regular guy uh, even though you know the, the at least in the case of George W Bush um that, that he was born and bred into uh, American political aristocracy and went to um Ivy League schools but to present himself as a good old Texan cowpoke um, was really part of the the kind of the political formula that got him into the White House twice, and the same with Ronald Reagan as well. The sense that American uh, voters have had in the past that they are being spoken down to, or patronised, or condescended by uh, an elite establishment, uh, as we can see in the most recent election, has had uh, a great deal to account for. Uh, the current state state of crisis that the uh, America and the entire planet appears to be in. Now, whilst not making uh, overt and clumsy um, comparisons between Reagan and Trump, because I really don't think there there are any, um, the beginnings of the television age and Reagan's role within it, and the um, mix of uh, TV popular popularity and right wing populism um, have 
never really quite been sort of, uh, you know, um, separated since. Um, you could argue that Trump is the kind of the exaggerated form of all of this through the, you know, his, his own reality TV uh, career. What Reagan was able to do um, throughout the 1970s um, was to present to the American people a coherent story. Once again, this is uh, what some commentators suggest um, uh, Trump uh, excelled in, not policies, but a narrative. There had been, in the eyes of Reagan, um, the problem was big government. Big government, big taxes, uh, too much red tape, um, too much... um, too much interference by those on the the liberal left that thought they knew better than the American people uh, themselves. This could explain, Reagan argued, the multitude of problems that America has in the 1970s. It doesn't. The multitude of American uh, problems America faces in the 1970s are largely economic. They're to do with uh, an oil shock in 1973 and a second one in 1979. There to do with the declining comparative advantage in manufacturing that America has. Japan and Germany become net exporters in the 1960s, and uh, America's uh, ability to become a surplus nation or to maintain itself as a surplus nation also goes into decline. Um, the development of neoliberal capitalism, you can go back a few podcasts. Uh, and uh, it's on there, um, really as the result of uh, Paul Volcker um, at the uh, US Treasury, um, was to do mainly with how you maintain power, um, global hegemony, while no longer being a producing, uh, a surplus producing nation, i.e. no longer selling more stuff overseas than you buy from overseas countries. And the way to do that is instead of being the workshop of the world, is to become the banker of the world. How do you do that? Whack up interest rates, um, attract foreign money like bees to uh, honey, and to make sure that the, the costs, unfortunately, are borne by the declining American manufacturing that you've now uh, written off as dead. Loans to loans that businesses have taken out uh, suddenly become vastly more expensive, and getting more credit becomes very very difficult. It becomes a minefield to be able to um, manage businesses, particularly those which are getting on a bit um, in the you know the traditional rust belt of uh, of America. Reagan was able to dress up the uh, assault on government uh, in the language of freedom. America, um, having fought a revolutionary war in the name of freedom from Great Britain, having fought a civil war, um, notionally in the language of uh, the freeing of the slaves, um, was, and having fought two world wars, uh, particularly the second against uh, Nazism, and struggling in the Cold War, against uh, communist tyranny was quite easy to inspire um, in the struggle for uh, this new kind of freedom, freedom from government. Freedom ever since has become the kind of the leitmotif of American politics. 
the discussion of uh, of freedom um, uh, has been um, has run as a kind of a thread through everything subsequently that has happened. Freedom, of course, has meant different things at different times in American history. Um, the New Deal obviously was introduced uh, as a measure to provide freedom from fear. Franklin Roosevelt saying, "A broader definition of liberty, under which we are moving towards, uh, moving forward to, is greater economic security for the average man." And Democrats from Roosevelt onwards believed that it was the state that could provide this security or the state that could intervene in the workings of the economy to iron out inequalities and to correct market failings. And Roosevelt uh, suggested that it was the, um, the interests of the entrenched few that were among freedom's greatest enemies. The uh, adherence to this debate on freedom uh, when Reagan comes into power creates all these paradoxical um, happenings. The, um, the friends that the uh, administration make around the world, from the Contras in Nicaragua to the Mujahideen in Afghanistan, um, people who could not by any stretch of the imagination be declared to be freedom fighters whatsoever, um, people who were guilty of the most monstrous uh, of uh, human rights violations uh, and crimes, um, seem to be uh, compatible with a, um, uh, the, the Reagan broader view of uh, freedom as they were engaged in a world struggle against communism or in the case of um, Nicaragua against a, a fairly benign uh, socialist regime. Uh, it reaches elements of absurdity when the uh, Mujahideen were invited to America and one of the space shuttles uh, was dedicated to them. The um, Reaganite uh, anti-communist rhetoric that um, had punctuated his career. He had a key role to play in naming names during the McCarthyite era, and he was, um, as Nixon had been, seen to be tough on the communists. Um, and he is, when he when he came to power, referred to the Soviet Union as an evil empire, and obviously initiated his um, never to be completed and infeasible Star Wars project. But by 1985, he had changed significantly in his views. His support for nuclear weapons particularly uh, fell away, having seen a documentary on um, the potentials of uh, the potential destruction of a nuclear war. Uh, it took this to change his mind, which seems odd, but to the best of my research, this, this does appear to be the... The, the turning point. So much so that when he meets uh, Gorbachev at Reykjavik, he essentially says to him, well, why don't we simply get rid of everything? You know, all nuclear stockpiles, let's do it. I'm, I'm totally opposed to nuclear weapons. Gorbachev says, yes, great, okay, you get rid of your Star Wars programme and we've got a deal. And Reagan refused to do this, even though Star Wars didn't exist. This is one of the great, terrible missed opportunities uh, of, of our time uh, to rid the world of nuclear weapons 
uh, Reagan had to hang on to something that existed uh, in the realm of fiction, um, and we, we've kept our nuclear stockpiles ever since. So um, the, I, I would really recommend, if you're interested in American politics at all, in American history, uh, getting uh, Reagan by Ewan Morgan. Um, it's a brilliant read. It's really, really uh, well-researched, really, really um, well-referenced um, uh, and um, a, a really, really decent piece of peer-reviewed uh, peer-reviewed work. And as I previously said, whilst there's a provision of books about Roosevelt, about Nixon, about John F. Kennedy, um, and a, a, a brilliant trilogy uh, about uh, by Robert Caro about uh, Lyndon Johnson, uh, titles on Reagan are uh, more thin on the ground. And um, whatever you think about the man, he's as significant as Kennedy, um, he's as significant as Roosevelt, as a key figure in the uh, uh, 20th century American politics. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.